welcome to Criminality Podcast. This is a bonus, our first ever. A b- 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 bonus. It's a big one. This is exciting. This is uh, a Friday that we normally wouldn't have an episode, Melissa, but we do. Yes, we do. And what an episode we have for you today. Rebecca, tell us what's going on here. Melissa, you can take the girl out of the interview podcast, but you can't take the <laughs> podcast interview out of the girl, I guess. Um, so if you listened, if our listeners listened to last episode, we discussed the story of Elizabeth Lynn Vargas on Real Housewives of Orange County and her upbringing in a cult. And if you heard, she and I exchanged some messages and those messages turned into a, hey, maybe we should talk. And I do want to take a second and thank Robin who is Elizabeth's assistant who really coordinated this and made it happen. So I want to say thank you to her and thank you so much to Elizabeth who was willing to talk with us. Um, I couldn't believe it. And so we talked and, you know, the cult story is not her favorite thing to talk about. Sure. Um, So we get some other fun OC details and it was just great meeting her and talking to her. I'm so excited. I got to listen to this uh, interview earlier and it's such a great episode. You guys will absolutely love this. There's a reason Rebecca has an interview style podcast. She is so, so good at this. Like the whole time I'm like, I don't know if I would have asked that, but that's such a great question. I just, it doesn't come to me and it's very, very natural for you. So this interview is so awesome. So I'm so excited for you guys to hear for it, hear it. And what a great job you did, Rebecca, reaching out to her, going through all of that, putting yourself out there. It takes a lot of guts. Thank you so much. I will say it's my first housewife I've ever legit met and talked Amazing. to. So that feels like a big deal. And thanks for the kind words. I really appreciate it. Um, also, her sweet, beautiful dog. It's like a husky coda makes yeah. a vocal appearance, I guess. So you'll hear her. We did our best to edit out um, some of the room noises, but it was a little challenging. So um, she gets to be actually coda might be a boy. Her dog gets to be part of the interview. So I know you'll I know people will be very forgiving and actually probably really love it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, without further ado, here is a conversation with Elizabeth Lynn Vargas. And please do check the show notes for some specific uh, references that she makes about her upcoming projects. Elizabeth, welcome to Criminality Podcast. You are our first guest. This is so special. Thank you for doing this. Well, thank you for having me. This will be interesting. (laughs) Yeah, for both of us. It's an experiment. So as a viewer, you were introduced to the show as Kelly Dodd's friend. Is that the true story of your entrance to the Housewives? How did you find your way into the Housewives of Orange County? I had already been friends with Kelly. She was friends with my neighbor, Rob, who was infamous on the beach. Um, And he has barbecues and she would come over. So I met her quite a few times through him. And then one of my good friends, Too Short, his name is Todd Shaw. He's a rapper in California. We've been hanging out for years and his manager, who I didn't know very well, oh, sorry. He had mentioned to Todd that there was an opening for this show and Elizabeth might want to be on it. And so I, you know, I talked to his his manager, David, and I said, well, what is this? He goes, well, Elizabeth, I'll tell you when you get there. (laughs) Dress in your finest, do your hair and makeup. Bring your Bentley and meet me in Burbank. Oh my <laughs> gosh. That's a porn. I literally yeah. thought like, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's quite a setup. So I met him in Burbank and it ended up being the Orange County Housewives and I fell in love with the producers and here we, here we are today. So. Here we are. Well, I have to say, I mean, being introduced during the first franchise to come back after COVID such a challenge. It felt so unfair to me that that's how we got to know you because I know there were just limitations and it wasn't a normal experience. I'm so mad they're not allowing you back because I feel like you 
spared your soul. You know, you were going through so much. So how does that feel? And and do you think it's mostly that the reason just it being an odd time for the cast and the the show? You know, I can't really say why. I just know that um, Evolution, who produced the show, was bought out by another company. And, you know, there was a lot of transitions the last year when I was actually brought on. Uh, Then COVID hit. It was an election year. I mean, it was just a nightmare year for everybody. Uh, Mergers and acquisitions were going on. Networks were closing down. So the overall reason why they canceled me, I I can't say, but I do know that the revamp was something they absolutely needed to do because to produce such a dark show during COVID, um, I don't feel was what the viewers needed. So whether I was kind of a byproduct of the revamp or not, I can't say, but obviously I was. So it's probably the best thing for the network. Well, that's a generous response, and I appreciate that. And I am an outlier because I love when Housewives goes dark. <laughs> and, I, and I'm not in the majority here, but I, I love relating and going, yeah, people go through real things, and money doesn't protect you from childhood trauma and messy divorces and all of these things that people struggle with. But the cult thing is a little bit unique. So I did kind of hone in on that because I'm fascinated by them. So could you just shed a little bit of color on your grandmother? She just had a psychotic nature about her and a narcissistic attitude that allowed her to become this leader of this church. You know, you don't become a leader. You, you're supposed to become an influencer in the church, just somebody who's there for the others. You're not supposed to be controlling them and owning them. Right. She looked at it as ownership in a business and you know, when this whole thing happened in Arizona, I mean, I was there when they were carrying the dead body around in the back of the truck, you know, I was a little girl. I don't remember it. My mom's like, yeah, I had you. I was holding you when it was all happening. And, and to me, that's just, I'm beside myself that you know, my mom was that hurt and brainwashed and couldn't get out that yeah. we were all subjected to that. And yeah. my younger sister and brother weren't, it was just the older three of us, um, Jonathan, Andrew and myself. Okay. And so they found out later that it wasn't just our family. It, there was a churches. There was a church. They even started one in Missouri then, right afterwards, and continued both of them until you know they found the dead body in in uh, Arizona. Of course, I mean they're going to shut them down. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay, uh, I'm sorry, but you're not resurrecting a body from the dead, losers. <laughs> I mean, it's so crazy. But they were able to move to Missouri after that, so they got shut down. But they obviously didn't go to prison, or there was no consequence legally. Uh, people did oh um, really protected my grandmother what oh my gosh people took the fall for her so okay so outside of that do you have a normal relationship with your grandmother or not really oh no she's dead but like back then oh sorry <laughs> you know I don't wish death on anyone but that woman deserved to go to hell so I had a not a normal relationship no um yeah. she would uh she was a very very evil person um she was very psychologically mentally physically f- definitely physically abusive she would abuse animals and that's probably why I have a passion for animals big time um yeah. uh, especially dogs she was just such an evil person that if you didn't do what she said you were Satan. And she used that word a lot, but if we used that word, we'd be beaten. She was the one controlling the narrative of everybody. And I didn't understand at the time, I was a little girl, what was happening? But my father also was morphed into this evil person. So, you know, she controlled the church and all the environment and he tried to control his family the same way. And then my mother 
was convinced the more children you had, the closer to God you'd have be. Mm-hmm. And that we'd all eventually be shot up to heaven through Jacob's ladder and she would be closer to God because she kept having children. That's what she, my grandmother told everybody in the church. So imagine all these women having babies inbred, you know, and all this abuse going on with all these children Jeez. and us not going to God and us not going to heaven, us being stuck on this earth and us children being abused. And then mom realizing, finally, I'm brainwashed. Thank God. So she would actually steal us and put us in the back of cars and the trunk of cars and take us away many times. But then she'd be brought back because they would, my father would always try and kidnap one of the kids and bring them back to Missouri. So it was a really devastating childhood between the mental, physical abuse of the church leaders to my brothers and me and everybody I just would never wish it upon any child ever, 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 ever. I'm so happy to see that you have a relationship with your mom that you do. And I know it's not without its complexities, like all of our relationships, but I'm so happy that you guys were able to salvage something because that's not necessarily the outcome after living through what you did. You know, I realized later on in life and I was very resentful. Like, how could you put us through this? And you know, my father was alive for many, many years after that. And she stayed with him and I couldn't understand it. And what I did understand was she was just as abused as all the rest of us. So exactly, I had realized that she, you know, I kept saying she's such a weak woman. Like I, I didn't, I don't like weak women. You know, why is she so weak? And cause I was raised to be strong. So when I see, see women that are weak, I just, it just drives me crazy. And so I, for the longest time was like, oh, she's weak. She, I didn't realize she was the strongest woman I had ever met. Cause she recognized her situation after all of the abuse that happened and got us out of there. And it took her years, years after attempt, after attempt, after attempt to get us out of there. And so my respect changed for her over the years. And now I have the utmost respect. And this woman has gone through hell and she's the most powerful, bright, patient (laughs) mother any of us could ever have. You know, that, that is, it's like she was just surviving and I think there's this trend in true crime now where we don't victim blame anymore. We used to go, well, what was she wearing? And did they kind of ask for it in this way? And I think the same goes for cult survivors now. We're, we're starting to learn that when you're indoctrinated, you're not conscious. The decision to stay at survival, there's so much going on that your mom was just getting through. She was just surviving. Now that I'm an adult, I get what the threats were. I, I know why she stayed. And, and when people try and say, well, why didn't she just leave? Her five children, uh, I'm sorry, no job. They made sure she was um, alienated, living on a ranch with all the members on one community. I'm sorry, how is she supposed to leave with no car? Yeah. We lived in a fifth wheel. Like my grandmother lived in a mansion on this huge ranch with cattle and you know, she got to eat steak. We ate nothing but garbage out of, out of the Walmart garbage cans. Like you can't tell me she wasn't a psycho crazy bat from hell. I think that's the worst part about cults for me is Correct. the leaders. The, the rules do not apply to them. You know, everybody has rules except for them. And I think I think that's the part that enrages me the most. Um, well, let's bring this back to the housewives. When I watch that scene where you confess this to Bronwyn, I see Bronwyn showing up as a friend and really kind of like walking you through that panic attack. That's how it looked to me as a viewer. I'm wondering if that's how it felt to you. And did you appreciate Bronwyn in that moment? Did you mean to, to spill all that? at that time absolutely did not plan on that transpiring that day had no clue wasn't prepared in fact i don't remember um at all from the time 
I watched it and didn't remember. I literally can't even remember. I don't even remember sitting on the ground. I remember walking away and looking at the cameras for something. I don't even know what I said. I literally had gone to a different place in my mind because I compartmentalized to avoid the trauma. And I think because it was, sure. so what had happened was they had kept trying to call me a liar and I was bullshitter and I was this, and I kept, couldn't understand why. And I understand, I didn't get to know them because of COVID. So my story was really fragmented in their minds and I understand. So all of a sudden I couldn't figure out why they kept trying to make me be friends with Bronwyn. I know she needed a friend cause no one liked her. And I felt for her because my sister's an alcoholic, a drug addict, and I, I, I tried to help her. She's an amazing woman, and I know she's going to get better one day. But then when I met Bronwyn, she reminded me identical of my sister. And I said, oh, my gosh, I can't help my sister, but I can help this woman. And so I thought, you know, her journey of sobriety was something I understood, and I could help her with rehab, help her with recovery, be there for her. So I understood why they're trying to put us together, but all of a sudden this one day was really weird. I didn't know Bronwyn at the time had been contacting my ex-husband. I had no idea, but I knew there was something. And you know, women, we have intuitions and I'm an extremely intuitive person from yeah. my PTSD of what I'd gone through. I'm very aware of my surroundings. Actually, I'm almost overly aware. Probably skeptical of people. hundred percent. And so- she was questioning, the producers were putting us, asking me these questions, but they didn't show any of the preliminary. Sure. I knew somebody knew something. Cause I mean, it's in the papers. If you do some research, any research, you're gonna find out some things. Mm -hmm. Not a lot, but if anyone that knows her family, you ask what my ex-husband or anybody, you're gonna find out some stuff. Mm -hmm. Somebody knew something and I was not gonna let her tell my story to be famous. I was going to tell, I knew I had to tell my story or at least start it. And so I did. And then I completely blacked out. Weird. I don't know why I just, it's not weird at all. It actually makes perfect sense to me. I think if that really is the first time you're talking about it publicly, 100%. that that alone is going to kind of shake you and your body and your consciousness, but knowing what was leading up to it and that you felt kind of pinned against a wall to do it. It's just, it's awful. That's an awful situation to be in. So I guess I answered my own question that you don't feel like Bronwyn was being a great friend to you in that moment. No, and then I found out she had been contacting my ex the whole time and, and she was using my trauma for her fame. So the whole world, she was there to make me, to help me when really she was just there to expose me. So she oh, get that fame of being there with me. And I didn't know that at the time until the reunion. That's why I went off on the reunion. When I found out she had been talking to my ex-husband was at the reunion. That's why you see this rage and wrath of Elizabeth. Finding out she used me the whole show, just it, how much I tried to help her made me angry. And I, I had to take a deep breath and I, I, it's unforgivable. It must feel like such a betrayal. Yes. Have you talked to her since then? Have no. you worked things out? No. Okay. No. She, for forgiveness and she's you know she's sober now so if she understands what she did to me and to all the other ladies on the show that season and to her children and to her husband if she can find it within her soul to put aside her narcissism and really look for others and for for what do they call that insurance and amends and amends yes and amends to all of us i would accept it because i understand people have faults but this was a very, very, very harsh 
thing someone could do to me, especially living my life, betrayed my entire life anyway. And then to have it exposed when I wasn't on the housewives. It was supposed to be <laughs> drunk women drinking tequila and spanks under a bar. It's not supposed to be Colts, child molestation and rape. <laughs> I know, I know. And so of course that gets pinned to you and that's your storyline and it all happened almost in spite of you. It's so crazy. Oh my God. It was really, Ugh. really bad. I still can't believe it, but it came out at the right time, I think. And, and I think it was just supposed to. During COVID, it was so dark. So many people were negative. There was so much negativity that let's just let this other negativity <laughs> Get it over with, we'll call it, we'll flatline it. Call it a day and move on. <laughs> I, yeah, you've done your fair share now. Like, I feel like for you, the next three decades just need to be smooth sailing. I really hope that for you. I hope so. Um, so some fun questions, keep it lighter. Uh, what would you consider your biggest regret from the season? Maybe we've already covered that. And then what was your highlight best moment? I don't have that many regrets. Good. I, I don't really have any regrets on that. I like that. It's just what it is. My, my biggest highlight, my, my biggest moment um, was for them to be able to show the world the tour of the We Care Rescue Ranch that I was trying to find. Yeah, so tell me more about that, because I know that's something that even now keeps you really busy. Tell us more about it. You know, growing up and seeing animals abused really, um, really just hurt my soul. And they were always there for me. And it was like, <laughs> that's my, my, coat, my husky Coda. Oh, Coda, hi, beauty. Come on. Up, up. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Sorry, She's so pretty. There you go. Go get it. Oh, sorry. Okay. It's okay. I had to play with him for a second. Now he's going to come. <laughs> okay. So having animals in my life was something that I always knew I wanted. So I always had a dog. always had a big dog because I felt safe. And mm -hmm. then I said, well, I want to help animals. And I wanted to do something. So I just dreamt of the name We Care because I figured there's other people that care, not just me in this world. So if I create a brand called We Care, it could be We Care Animals, We Care Women, We Care the Environment, We Care. So my first We Care project was gonna be We Care Rescue Ranch. And I decided to build a forever home for rejected animals that everyone said, well, they're not good enough. They're never gonna be adopted. They're mean, they're evil. Oh, because they have never been loved. Yeah. And that's how I feel. I always felt people would think, gosh, oh, she's broken. She's dysfunctional. She's got daddy issues. She's mm -hmm. damaged. So I felt like those animals that were rejected. And I never really felt normal ever in my whole life living. And so to see those animals being rejected at the shelters and being told they were just not good enough, I said, well, I want to build a facility that houses the the unwanted for happily ever after. And I could buy or get donated thousands of acres and we could get tons of volunteers in every city and people can dump their unwanted pets off to me. Oh my gosh. And if they're adoptable, I will then send them off to adoptable organizations. And if they're not, I'll just keep them and I'll take care of them till they pass. That was sort of my vision. That's vision. the vision. Okay. And then COVID hit and I wasn't able to get a property and all this, all these things were happening. So during COVID, I said, well, how can I still help? And I found out that I could donate myself to different rescues that were already out there. So I started helping donating to wolf rescues and other rescues. And I donate a ton more than people see on television because I just don't tell people every time I donate. I don't need yeah. praise. I just don't. Yeah. 
What I realized was why We Care Rescue Ranch organization was going to actually raise money for other rescues that were currently out there during COVID. And that's what we did. So that's what we're doing now is we're raising money for other rescues, but we're also just got certified for a 501c3 nonprofit. So now, yeah, right after COVID. And so, and right when I thought I was going to get hired or I was going to continue my contract, I thought I was going to be able to advertise it. Oh man. Well, it's okay. It's okay because I have another plan, but you know, so now I get to take care of these animals the way that the universe wanted me to, which is uh, spay and neuter. So we're going to do a mobile spay and neuter facility so that in 10 years, the animals that would have had the babies that are already passed wouldn't have had the babies and we're going to have less of an overpopulation issue. And Amazing. then we can go with the Idaho did a great job. They have zero sp- uh, strays. I don't even know how that's possible. That's amazing. It's barely possible because they have a spay and neuter program. So I'm going to the Riverside area and just take, test it. And yeah. then the ones that are still stray, get them adopted. So I'm very excited. That is so amazing. And do you think with COVID, I know I, every day I feel like I'm learning something new about the ramifications of COVID, things I never even connected. But I'm wondering, were people unable to care for pets? Like, is there a higher... Oh amount of animals that were abandoned or lost? hundred million percent. People lost their jobs. They lost their houses. They lost their apartments. People were living in their cars with their pets. People that adopt uh, exotic animals like wolves thought that, you know, they're going to grow up to be a wolf. <laughs> and, and so they would give these animals, so they'd go to these, these sanctuaries. The sanctuaries were only way they get food for all these wolves, like 50, 60 wolves, you know, in one sanctuary was to go to Costco and get expired meat and feed them that expired meat. Well, if there's no expired meat, because there's no food, because it's COVID and everyone's, there's nobody making the food, there's no one, you know. Yeah, there was a shortage of everything. everything, The the animals were all dying. So I went to every meat packing everywhere and I found people that were willing to sell me meat at a wholesale price. And I bought a ton of meat and just started feeding all these wolves. And so I started helping the only way I knew how. But there were so many more animals that were just thrown on the streets because think about it, your child, yeah, them or an animal. Exactly. No, people had to make really tough choices. Um, but you have some experience working with wolves coming off of housewives. So this was perfect for yeah. you. <laughs> Actually, those were more like uh, cougars and <laughs> cheetahs, but whatever. <laughs> I think I was the only wolf in that pack. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I know that's one endeavor. And I know you have another. Then that was brewing during the season, which is Vargas Vodka. So... That must keep you busy as well. What's what's the situation there? So Vargas Vodka was brought into this world to help the animals as well. Each oh. bottle, uh, well, a percentage is donated to the rescue. We care rescue ranch, which then helps the animals. Perfect. So on the bottle, there's two griffins. Um, and those are- I've seen the bottle. It's beautiful. Thank you. I designed that. Um, gorgeous. Thank you. Actually, I had uh, a company design the logo, but I've had uh, a couple people, we all put our input in and then- created the logo. So the, the alcohol was something that I had gotten divorced and I had my music network that my ex-husband nicely helped shut down. And if I were to have kept it open, he would get a percentage of all my revenue. Hmm. So like Kardashian, I'm like, forget it. I'm (laughs) rebranding. So I shut it down and started a vodka company. And I pitched one of the largest Vodka guys in the world, Jean-Paul DeJoria, Patron Tequila. He sold it for $5.2 billion. Whoa. And I said, hey, if you're going to have alcohol, you may as well go big or go home. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I pitched John Paul. He and Eloise, his wife, they've always been an alcohol. And I said, they said, yes. So I got my vodka. It's, it, you know, it took us a year at the distillery to find the formulation. We launched it on 12-20-2020 during COVID. Yeah. Okay. Well, awesome. It's the one industry that did not see, you know, uh, negative. <laughs> what do you do, you know, after divorce? You go in the housewife for <laughs> <start of> vodka. <laughs> yeah. And what do people do surviving quarantine and COVID? They drink. They so so I just said, you know, I want to, I want to, uh, nine years ago, I was going to do one. I didn't get to do it. So I said, well, I'm going to do it now. So I did it. And uh, we've been selling the hotcakes. We have 200 sales team on the ground in California. We are located everywhere now, but nationally, we've not had a chance to go national on the ground. However, okay. I met a company called Liquor Stars and liquor and in stars.com. It's on my Instagram homepage, as well as okay. argusvodka.com. When you go there, you can order it. This company came to me and said, we can distribute nationally for you at the oh. same price a liquor store can, right to their, your fan's door. We pick that every time. People want that. And I'm like, what? They don't have to go to the store. He goes, no, they could just literally click ship. And I'm like, shut Done. up. <laughs> yeah. So we just launched with them. So now I can officially say we are nationally helping the animals. <laughs> oh, that is so good. People love to drink for a good cause. <laughs> I know, well, I, I love to drink in general. And if it has to be with a good cause, perfect. <laughs> Why not? Oh, that's so great. Congratulations. Thank you. You really do seem like you just are having a really a great perspective on the experience was what it was. And now you're just moving forward and doing a lot of exciting things. I think that if you've come from a background in a past like I have, you can't sit there and be a victim. Yeah. You're going you're gonna to crawl up in a ball and die. Uh, you yeah. have to say, I'm a survivor and I have 17 nieces and nephews. You know, I have like eight primary and they're almost all women. Am I going to show my nieces that you are gonna get beat up and you're gonna die. No, I'm gonna show them that you are a strong, powerful woman inside. You just need to let it shine no matter what happens. Exactly. And I'm very proud of them and they're growing up to be amazing young women. And I wanna show them to continue to be that. And so I, I have to move forward. Getting fired, yeah, it sucks, you know, from the housewives. Like I, I was devastated, and I, but I didn't wanna show them, I'm gonna go drink my life away and be a loser. No, what do I have to do now to power through this, move forward. Yeah, I was crying for a month. And that, and that's okay. And that's okay to even show them. I think it's as important to show our kids what success looks like and also what failure looks like, what we do after a failure. And the whole range of emotions is okay. As long as, you know, like you said, you don't stay in one forever. Correct. I almost thought I was going to. I was like, oh my God. My brother drove down to California. He's like, you're coming up to Washington. So I've been up here for a month revamping, clearing my heart, my soul, hanging out with family and preparing for my next step in my life. So I'm very excited. Well, nobody likes getting fired, getting fired in front of the world and having everybody weigh in on it. I can't even imagine Elizabeth. So you're doing great. <laughs> it was horrific. It's terrible. I woke up every morning like this blows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I checked my Instagram. I'm like, I like unfollow everybody. Then I follow everybody. Then I'm like, Okay, I go running. I like ran over 20 miles one day and it wasn't even enough. I was like, at this, you're like, I could keep going. <laughs> yeah, so it was, it, it was rough, but it's getting better. I got picked up by a new network with 200 million daily viewers right afterwards. Are we going to see you on TV again? Yes. 
So. Oh my gosh. Can you say any more or is that all we can know right now? Um, I can, it's, I can't tell you what network. Okay. Um, fortunately for the housewives, which the universe is strange, they had seen me on the show and saw my vulnerability, my openness, my rags to riches story and loved it. And they wanted me to be in host and be the front of this big show that showcases some of the most influential, positive rags to riches people in the world. That is so cool. So I can't tell you what network, but we have 200 million viewers daily globally. So I'm Amazing. extremely excited. <laughs> okay. So everybody follow Elizabeth Lynn Vargas. I'm sure when it debuts, we'll see and we'll know. This is so exciting. Okay. Last question. Um, are you genuinely friends with anybody from the cast to, like right now? Absolutely. Oh, good. Who? So I, so I've always gotten along with them. I used to get along with Brahma and I don't anymore. Probably one day when she figures out her life, we will. But so um, Emily's always writing me on Instagram. We, it's mainly Instagram. You know, we'll write each other, send memes. We'll send, you know, oh God, you see this article. I always talk to Emily. Gina on okay. occasion. Gina stayed at my my house with her entire family during COVID. Oh, And so you know, nice. my beach house sits empty most of the time. So Emily came and stayed there, you know, I'm friends with Kelly. Kelly always, you know, I don't look at someone with their political views. I look at someone for someone. Yeah, and their heart. Kelly had a rough season because she was being, you know, beat up by this Bronwyn girl. And, you know, it's bringing out the worst in her. So people don't understand the dynamic between all of us. It was just terrible season. Like we were, you know, and so I got along with all of them as best I could. And then afterwards, you know, Shannon reached out to me. She's Good. awesome. They all did, except for Bronwyn didn't reach out for one second. But Everyone else did. So yeah. Good. So glad to hear that. And I'm appreciative of your time and, and really your vulnerability on the show. I thought it was a gift. I wish we could have seen how it all unfolded, but thank you for, for filling us in today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So good to meet you. Nice to meet you too. And thanks for keeping it easy. I appreciate it. <laughs> have a wonderful night. Thanks right. again. Thanks, Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Criminality. If you're enjoying the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and give the show a rating and review. The reality is it would be a crime to keep your thoughts to yourself. And come join the fun outside of the podcast and follow us on social media. We are at Criminality Show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Memes are welcome. We'll see you in two weeks with a new episode. Until then, you can catch my co-host Melissa on her weekly show, Moms and Murder and Rebecca Sebastian on her podcast, Dialogue, a true crime conversation. Don't forget, loving reality isn't a crime.